Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential. It's your weekly royal program brought to you by, of course, Mail Plus. I'm Jo Elvin and here's what we have coming up today. The Harry Truman Show. We look at another bombshell interview from Prince Harry. And defending the rogue royal. We hear from friends of Prince Michael of Kent after he's found himself in hot water. And are William and Harry headed for another row, this time over speeches? Well, bringing us up to date on all the big stories is the Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English. Rebecca, let's start with this Prince Harry news and about this new podcast he's appeared on. What can you tell us? Yeah, I think this is going to dominate the headlines tomorrow, I have to say. Um, so just before I came to chat to you, Joe, a podcast dropped in the US called The Armchair Expert, and it's basically Harry in conversation on mental health issues on the internet. But in it, he, he makes some more quite incendiary remarks about himself, his life as a member of the royal family, why he wanted out. He talks about how his own drug use was fueled by his childhood experiences. Um, he also talks about parenting he received. And he says he's not critical, but actually he is quite critical of the parenting he received, particularly from the Prince of Wales, which he said was fueled by his own uh, childhood experiences, which were not good, and that he as a parent wanted to break the cycle of this himself when it came to Archie and his future daughter. Um, so again, you know, it, it's more confessional stuff that I think will um, not go down well with Buckingham Palace. What I don't understand, Rebecca, is my understanding was when the Sussexes sat down with Oprah for that explosive interview, that was supposed to draw a line under any more private and public airings of private details. That, but that, was, that was it. That was the big thing that, and that was going to stop them talking. So what, what is this? I mean, I suppose that, that, although I say it's incendiary, I mean, obviously there were some particularly explosive parts of the Oprah interview talking about, you know, Megan being made cry by Kate and, you know, how his father supposedly cut him off. Um, so, you know, it's not kind of incendiary in that way. But I think in talking about his emotions, dressing it up as analysis, he is throwing yet more of a spotlight, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, on a very, you know, private family matters. Um, so I think this will, you know yet again be very, very uncomfortable listening for Buckingham Palace. They want to draw a line on the things and things and wish the Sussexes well in their new life. But if in their new life they're constantly harking back to their old one, I don't see how things can really move on properly for them. And do you know if the Palace would have had any advance warning about this podcast dropping seemingly out of thin air? Uh, no, they didn't. Um, they're only just reading it now as everybody else is. So, you know, there's a lot for them to digest this afternoon. And I would make the point that, you know, as this is happening, members of the royal family today are going about doing the kind of very low key but really important unsung work. We've got Prince of Wales at a, a breast care unit. We've got William and Kate in Wolverhampton. 
slogging their way around doing a number of engagements to publicise Mental Health Awareness Week. And of course, yet again, what they're doing is going to be knocked off the front pages by what Harry has to say about his experience of being a member of the royal family. We will be back with Rebecca in just a moment, but let's head to our panel this week. Historian and writer Dr Tessa Dunlop is here alongside The Mail's Saturday Diary editor Richard Eden. Welcome to you both. Tessa, I'm going to start with you. Do you think that Harry has been at all fair to his family with this latest revelation on this podcast? When it comes to family matters, are any of us ever fair? Well, we're yeah. not also publicly fair or unfair. He was effectively booted out of an institution that also happened to double up as his family. Uh, he lost his royal titles. He lost that access to cash that he was used to having. And he has to go and make his own way. He's a middle ranking kind of bloke. If you stood him in a line with some other blokes, you'd think there's an average kind of bloke. So how does he make his money? How does he get... You'd be so hurt to hear that from well, you, Tessa. I'm sorry. And I'm you're just... one of his fans. I, I, I think that's OK to be, you know, just like regular, like Richard or like me. You know what? But, but is, does anybody want us on their major popping podcast? No. Why do they want Harry? They want Harry because of whence he's come, because of his family, his heritage, because he's attached to the biggest brand on the planet. Yeah. I'm just, very, I'm just very sad about this, this podcast. I mean, we've had so many stories since the explosive Oprah interview that Harry and Meghan felt some regret, that they felt perhaps they'd gone too far. We had all this string of stories. And here we are again. You know, Prince Harry, I mean, imagine how Charles will feel when he, when he hears this, you know, attacking his parenting and all everything about the institution all over again. He just... It seems like he can't let it lie. It's just, and, and every week brings a new opportunity to attack the royal family. I'm, I'm almost speechless. You're not, Richard. <laughs> You're not. Have you ever been in the middle of a, a divorced couple, for instance? Do you ever manage to heal it up and wrap it into a neat, tight bow after but one? I, but I will no. say to you what I asked of Rebecca. You, the understanding was is that after this big. Oprah interview that millions of people have watched that that was going to draw a line under and yet here we are again so the cynic in me would say it's 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 good commercial business to keep going out there and talking about the institution and the family it is very good commercial business and also I think probably Harry is quite enjoying the attention he's enjoying he's away from stuffy old England and judgmental elderly relatives who he thinks clearly are hypocritical we'll come on to one of them shortly mm. um and he, he, yeah he's thriving he keeps harking back to all this misery of his past do you think he's thriving well we had um harry's sort of journalistic friend um Bryony gordon writing this week about how harry had found his spiritual home in california and this podcast does seem to reflect that hmm. um so does that annoy you Why, what's so wrong with that no, nothing wrong at all. But I think there is a temptation. We saw that when he was at the, the rock concert, the charity, um, the Vax event um, last week, that he, Harry did seem to really enjoy that um, attention. And maybe, you know, each time he's coming up with sort of new ways to criticise the royal family. And that's the problem. That's what he's got. It's an absolute quagmire. You're fine if you're in line for the throne, if you're a William or a Charles or a Kate, you've got clearly defined roles. The ones on the outside who are entitled have a high expectation of their standard of living, and Harry does. How do they make that living? Well, we will be coming on to that, won't we? But for now, let's move on. Well, at the heart of this bad blood between Harry and the firm is the huge rift between him and his older brother, Prince William. 
The next time they're seen together in person will be in July at the unveiling of their late mother's memorial statue. Rebecca, coming back to you now for this supposed row over the speeches, what can you tell us? You say supposedly, and actually I have to say cards on the table, this story really annoyed me because there was a report at the weekend that said, made a big deal out of the fact that William and Harry are expected to give separate speeches when they unveil their mother's statue in July. But the fact is, of course, they're going to give separate speeches. They can't speak at the same time. They can't have someone speaking for them. Um, but of course, this was given an example of the, as the supposed, you know, supposed example of the rift between them. People have piled on the social media. And I think that's actually very, very unfair to them. Um, they were never going to, you know, give a joint speech. They were always going to speak separately. And we must understand, you know, there's enormous bad blood between these brothers at the moment. The rift is very, very deep and very real. And I'm not sure stories like this are particularly responsible or help that in any way. Let's discuss Harry's new documentary now. What do we know about this? Well, this was the documentary that he's doing for Apple TV uh, with Oprah. Now, it was announced in 2019 before he, he and Meghan obviously announced their decision to quit the royal family and before he did that lucrative deal with Netflix. Now, he's being allowed to do it because obviously it was something that was already underway at the time. And of course, you know, Netflix are not going to say to Oprah, who's <laughs> no to Oprah, is one of the most powerful women in the uh, US entertainment industry. Um, again, it's going to be quite a personal um, program, apparently. Harry will once again be speaking a lot about his own therapy, his own traumas. Um, so again, although it's a, a wider program, I suspect once again it's not going to make massively comfortable viewing for Buckingham Palace. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm going to turn to the panel now. Richard, what do you think these speeches will be like? Well. I think it would have been a great opportunity to have given a joint speech. I mean, obviously not talking at the same time, but they could have given half each of the same speech that they'd contributed to and, you know, in honour of their mother. Um, so now they're giving separate speeches. Are they going to be cooperating? Probably not from what we know of their relationship. Well, surely they'll have to so that they're not saying the same or even contradictory things. Well, I suspect what we'll see is um, both William and Harry have sort of um, use the memory of Diana in their own ways, really. We saw that recently where Harry tried to sort of claim um, his mother for himself, talking about her as the sort of rebel, the one who wouldn't accept the establishment. And then William then made the point that, you know, she's my mother too, and was also sort of talking about the tradition and her belief in duty and, and that side of her. So I suspect we'll see two speeches that do reflect their different views of their mother, almost. It's fascinating. It's sort of like Harry, the social liberal, and William, the social conservative. That's where they've gone, isn't it, in two um, very different directions. Uh, funnily enough, I slightly disagree with Rebecca, where she says, well, they could have never um, given you know, one speech at the same time. No, but I think what we enjoyed about them as brothers when the going was good was they kind of riffed off each other a bit. And back in the old days, a bit like, you know, Dave and Nick and the Rose Garden, you know, in 2010. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but one no of one those, wants that comparison. But, yeah, but, but do you know it. what I mean? One yeah. of those kind of moments. Yeah. And we know how quickly relationships can spiral out of control. And, 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 and Williams and Harry's is an example of that. But they do share 
their, their, leg, their mother's legacy. I've got to say that I do hope some attention is given to the statue. It's been incredibly <laughs> difficult to capture Diana's beauty in a statue. I always think one of the reasons, aside from all the patriarchy and stuff, that most statues are of men is because it's very hard to capture the beauty of women in a statue, don't you think? Especially T Diana. Te teeth are very hard in statues. Yeah. That's But, but also someone wrong. as yeah. photographed as Diana to bring her to, to life. I mean, you've got it in stone. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And remember that painting of the Duchess of Cambridge that, you know, the artist put a lot of effort into it, but it, yeah. it was terrible, really. It didn't capture her beauty at all. And arguably the only um, royal they've really managed, female royal they really do well in statue form is Victoria. Because something that can be improved upon, make her a little bit less dumpy. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, let's just all offer up our thoughts and prayers for whoever is currently carving that statue. Uh, but Tessa, tell me what you feel about Harry's documentary. Sort of like now, now to be hence known as the Harry Truman Show, thanks to his quote on that podcast. I think the key to it is he feels he's controlling his narrative in America. He said it himself, I think, in this podcast, and it was the other way round in Britain. Mm. He felt he was owned. He was a puppet. And in a sense, he was. He was paid for by the public purse. And that's the difference in America. Do you agree with that, Richard? Well, this is really significant because remember this documentary, they've been in talks for years about it. And, you know, Harry had signed up to this, um, you know, long before they left the royal family. And initially it was for charity. So it's going to be very interesting to see whether, you know, Harry gives his big fee from this to charity. And also from what I've told, been told, it, it's very significant, this documentary, because... Remember that Oprah got her deal with Apple. It was very much one of the first TV shows on the new Apple TV. Um, she made big money. On, that was partly off the back of Prince Harry, that mm. he'd already agreed to it. And from what I know, Harry and Meghan thought, well, wait a minute, Oprah's getting all this money. You know, we want part of that. And so they're now they're free to earn money from Apple too. So it's, it's definitely one to watch. I wonder how many more times he can roll out a similar shtick. At some point, I think we're going to get the message that Harry's a little bit fed up with his family back in Britain, you know, and he considers them somewhat dysfunctional and responsible for some of his, you know, damage. Go back to that Philip Larkin poem, what parent isn't, you know. Mm. But, but it's interesting, isn't it? He's got this heavy deal with Netflix that he's got to fulfil. He's in bed with Oprah now and Apple. He's talking away on podcasts. You know, I have nothing against the guy and I think he can say what he likes, you know. He's beating the institution. The institution, you know, have to take the hit. But I, I, I would caution Harry to find new music because at some point it's going to be saturation level. We will, of course, cover both those stories when they happen right here on Palace Confidential on Mail Plus. But let's bring Rebecca back now to discuss some of the other big stories this week, the controversy over the Prince Michael of Kent. Rebecca, bring us up to speed. I can't keep up. What is, what's going on? Well, this is a proper good old-fashioned cash-for-access scandal, and it was reported by the Sunday Times after a lengthy investigation into royals for rent. Although I say royals, they only actually managed to get one royal uh, in the hot seat, and that was Prince Michael of Kent, the Queen's first cousin. And he is basically accused, him and his advisers, of basically offering to use his position and his reputation as a member of the royal family to gain access for a fictitious company to senior Russian government officials. And it was even boasted that he had access to President Putin himself. Wow, that's some boast. Um, what, what's the feeling in the palace about this at the moment? 
Well, Buckingham Palace have done their best to kind of, not quite brush us under the carpet, but, but to say it's not our problem. It must be stressed that Prince Michael of Kent is not an official working member of the royal family. He receives no public funding. He lives at Kensington Palace, but he pays a commercial rent on that. And Buckingham Palace has said because of all that, this is not an issue for them. I actually disagree with them on this because Princess, Prince Michael of Kent and his wife, Princess Michael of Kent, do do a number of engagements each year on behalf of the Queen. They will be rolled out at state banquets, receptions, um, garden parties. I mean, as much to make up the numbers as anything, but these are documented in the court circular. So I do think this is an issue for Buckingham Palace because it is reputationally damaging for them that a member of the royal family can say, you know, pay me 20, 30, 40, 50,000 pounds and, and you can wheel me out at whatever event you want. He's only getting that because he is cast as a senior royal. Is it a breaking of the rules or are the rules just you know, very unclear. You know, the rules are very clear that you're not allowed as a senior member, working member of the royal family to capitalise and make money out of your status. And this is what we've obviously heard discussed a lot over the last year or so because of Harry and Meghan. In a statement, Prince Michael of Kent's spokesperson said that the Marquess had made suggestions which His Royal Highness would not have wanted or been able to fulfil during the Zoom meeting. They added, as is standard practice, Prince Michael's private secretary made it clear to the company's representatives during their conversations that nothing could proceed without the agreement of the British Embassy and the help of the Russo-British Chamber of Commerce, of which Prince Michael is patron. Well, we asked Basha Briggs, a friend of the Prince, for her thoughts on the scandal and her experiences going to events with him. Well, I've known Prince Michael for a good 30 years. I think he's a very, very good-natured man and he will endorse and help worthy causes, charities, but also because he's not on the civil list and he does have to make a living, he'll sell what he can, which is, in this case, himself. Um, and so so uh, for many years now, if, if, if somebody, um, a senior businessman or a captain of industry, would like to impress his colleagues and would like Prince Michael to attend an event, he will, he will, will of course, do so. There was one incident when I was approached by a German gentleman who was giving a party in, um, in Sloane Street. He wanted to impress his work colleagues and he asked whether Prince Michael would put in an appearance, which of course he did, uh, £20,000, but it was worth every penny. Everybody was happy. All of these things that Prince Michael does to earn money, some people might consider them rather controversial, but I mean, poor man, what's he supposed to do? Given that he's so close to the Queen, he should really avail himself of better advice. He has had excellent advisers in the past that he's fallen out with, which is regrettable. But he, he, on the whole, he, he's been very badly advised. But as I said, he's so good-natured and so trusting that he lands himself in these... Um, you know, it's a fine line he's treading, and he finds himself in these sticky situations. And I feel dreadfully sorry for him. I think it's dreadful to think that uh, people are saying that the Queen would reprimand him because the poor man hasn't done anything wrong. And this, uh, she certainly won't remove any patronages from him because he does a great deal of good. He is patron of the Battersea Dogs Home and all sorts of children's burns charities in, in, in Russia. The Russians absolutely adore him because he has such a close relationship to the murdered Tsar. So um, little old babushkas or little old ladies sort of fall to their knees and kiss his hand when they see him in the street. He speaks fluent Russian. The fact that he's developed such a love for the country and they've reciprocated that affection, I don't see the problem. 
there are a lot of roles that have to tread this fine line. Beatrice and Eugenie, for instance, will have to be very careful because um, there are rogues and charlatans out there ready to make a fool of them. Because you're a royal, you're, you're a, a target, you're a magnet for all sorts of self-seeking, self-serving types that wish to take advantage of you. And um, it's just a case of oh, having your wits about you and you know, keeping out the riffraff. <laughs> well, let's turn to our panel now. Tessa, it's not a great look for the family, is it? It's a disaster. <laughs> and I find it interesting that we have spent so long talking about Harry and so little talking about Michael because mm. they're intrinsically linked. They have expectations. They only mix in circles of wealth. They know not how to be poor or even moderately wealthy like the rest of us. So if you don't receive money from the civil list, and you're no longer a soldier, because both Michael and Harry, of course, the, the, that, that bulk of their youthful verve was spent, you know, in military uniform serving. How do you earn your money? Harry's doing it publicly, so we're all criticising Harry. Michael, under the wire, clearly for years, and it says so in the dispatches, you know, and his, the Marquis of Reading, his sort of co-conspirator, you know, a lot of money has been earned from Russia. And which is more sinister? Which is more dangerous? Prince Michael every time. We're currently sanctioning Russia to try and stop people investing in the country. And we're united with the EU and with America. And here we have, in the name of our royal family, someone trying to help Korean gold find its way to the Kremlin. Yeah, mm. I'm outraged. Well, remember that Harry and Meghan cited the example of Prince and Princess Michael when they were looking yeah. for a solution as to how they could remain in the royal family. Um, and then also carry out some private work. Get angry that's about this, Richard. Come Prince on, Michael get angry. Prince been allowed to do. But no, to me, it illustrates the great wisdom of the Queen that she was very strict with Harry and Meghan and said, no, no, you cannot do that. You can't um, follow this example. And this has shown why. And yet why. this has been going on? Yes, but Prince Michael is 78. He's oh. sort of, um, as Rebecca said, you know, no doubt... Um, when Prince Charles is king, he will be, you know, retired. Are you trying to soft soap this, Richard? The amount of indignation and ire I've seen from you sitting in that seat about Prince Harry and you're trying to soft soap Prince Michael on the basis of his age. If you're 78 and watching this, feel fair to be outraged because Richard is assuming that you're no longer capable of making your own decisions. No, I think he's very much capable of making his own decisions and he's made a mistake and I think that's been acknowledged. But has he made um, a mistake or is this a, a, you know, many mistakes that we just, and we're sort of like, this is the cap of the iceberg? Well, to be fair to Prince Michael, they used to have um, free um, apartments at um, Kenston Palace. Which was a scandal in itself. No, no, that was given to them as a wedding present from the Queen. And then what happened after a sort of outrage in the press, they were told that they had to pay a lot of money. It was like £150,000 a year or something. As I say, 78, you've got to earn money from somewhere. If people will pay him to appear at their party, as Basha Briggs, his friend, suggests... Um, I, don't, I, don't, I can't say it. it's the greatest scandal, oh, really. Richard, can we just roll back there? You're worried about, oh, poor Michael suddenly having to pay rent. What a trauma, having to pay rent for a palace. Dear me, a palace backdrop which he uses and flogs, by the way, because he's used this to help extend Russian soft power in 2013. There was an event held there. You know, I understand that his 
I think twice removed cousin, first cousin was the murdered Tsar and he looks a bit like the Tsar and he's hugely popular in Russia mm. and I realise Prince Michael it's deeply inconvenient for you this kind of second cold war at the moment we're having with Russia where people Livchenko uh, who was murdered on British soil, Salisbury which cost the life of a woman, another terrorist attack by the Russian state on British soil. So I'm sorry for inconveniences Prince Michael that it's no longer quite so clean to earn his dirty cash over there. Now this is uh, this is appalling. I do feel sorry for the Queen. You can feel fond of your young cousin uh, who is a page boy and realise he's all, also got it horribly wrong. But please, Queen, could you strip him of his HRH? Please, Queen, could you strip him of cur his honorary colonel title of the King's Royal Hussars? Do you think this is a conversation Prince Charles might be having right now? Well, I think Prince Charles will be tearing his hair out because he's disgusted by Russia. He spoke openly of Ru the bellicose actions that Russia's... We've seen them in, in the Ukraine, you know, mm. almost being a sort of a, 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 a like pre-war Germany move. So I think they'll be deeply, deeply disappointed about this. I'd be very surprised if um, the Queen takes any action over this, really. You know, he's her beloved cousin. She's very fond of him. Um, and, as I say, he's, he's an old man. It just doesn't work, though, the age thing. We laudate the Queen, and she's 95, and we, ex we exempt some random prince using our most precious British brand. By the way, this is, in case you don't know, Richard, this is all over the news in America. I wonder how Russia's interpreting it, by the way. I suddenly think the gravy train for Michael would have dried up pretty quickly over there right now. You know, this has damaged Britain's brand. Um, and you may just go, oh, poor old man. No, this is a big deal. And I feel incensed about it. And I want him out of Kensington Palace as well. It's one of our palaces. Let's open his wing up to the public. Only Tessa Dunlop was queen. <laughs> anyway, we've heard from another friend of Prince Michael. Di Davies, who is the former head of the police's Royal Protection Group, he thinks that the controversy has been overplayed. Like you, Richard. Oh. Let's see. He uh, was president of one of the companies where I was a director when I retired, and I had the privilege of travelling with him in the Middle East, in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and also in this country. To suggest that somehow he's unpatriotic is nonsensical. He is the most patriotic individual, I think, with the exception of her Majesty that I've ever met. You couldn't wish for more patriotic. He is a distinguished honorary colonel, uh, commodore, air vice marshal, uh, and supports so many different charities still at his age of 78. So to suggest in uh, some kind of innuendo that because he loves Russia, and why shouldn't he, uh, just because you have a dictator in charge there doesn't mean that British companies, MPs and others aren't allowed to do business. Hundreds of firms in this country do business. What I'm saying is those who advise him, and let's face it, he's been doing it for a long time, before you open your big mouth in any shape or form, you should engage brain. And in his case, he pays people to do that for him. Somehow, they didn't do the due diligence, and he finds himself now in this, some would allege, embarrassing situation. I don't think it is that. I don't think he's broken any kind of law. As to whether royals should benefit, there's a balance, as with all aspects. But to single him out, as against from Her Majesty, who gets free cars, to Prince Charles, Prince Andrew, well, I won't go there with Andrew, Prince Harry, they all do in one shape or another and all get benefits, uh, free cars, free Range Rovers, you name it. So they all benefit from their royal status. And to one extent, why not?
That was Di Davies there, loyal friend to Prince Michael. Richard, before we go, I wanted to have a quick word about the Queen who was at the scaled back opening of Parliament and the coronavirus was given for the reason that she wasn't really in the full ceremonial garb, the heavy crown, but should we be putting a 95-year-old woman through all of that anyway? It did make me wonder how long they'll go on um, doing it like this. It was so poignant to see um, the Queen in her throne, but then no Prince Philip, no throne next to her. Instead, we had Charles and Camilla sort of off on chairs to one side. And I wonder how many years before perhaps Charles will be allowed to make um, the speech himself. But I guess as long as the Queen wants to do it, then, then she will. I can see Tessa bursting to say Yeah, something. you're just trying to write the Queen off. I work with loads of women older than the Queen. That, our Queen will sit there and read her speech until she can't read it any longer. And mm. don't you preempt that or trying to instill a sort of early helplessness. And incidentally, she hasn't been wearing that crown for a while and it's got 2,868 diamonds in it. It'd mm. probably break your little neck, Richard, let alone the Queen's. I'm sure. And, and um, Charles and Camilla have been in attendance since 2013. And I thought she looked absolutely beautiful in that yeah, lilac day dress. She looked second to none. Well, that is all we have time for on Palace Confidential this week. It's been quite explosive. Thank you, everybody, to my guests, Rebecca, Tessa, Richard, Basha and Di, and to you, of course, for watching. You can sign up to the Palace Confidential newsletter written by our very own Richard by following the link on screen now. Do that, and we look forward to seeing you again next week on Mail Plus.